Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education at Monash University and here we talk with researchers in and around the faculty about their current reading, writing and thinking. So welcome to another interview in our series of Meet the Education Researcher podcast. My name is Neil Selwyn. I work in the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Now the aim of these interviews is simple. We spend 15 minutes or so getting to know what research is in and around the faculty are currently up to. So today I'm joined by Richard Pringle, a newly arrived professor in the faculty. Good morning, Richard. Good morning, Neil. So the first thing I wanted to get straight is what your work is actually about. Now, you've got a very broad job title. You're a professor in sports and physical education. Sounds very impressive. But I guess like any official title, your research and writing is probably not about sport and physical education per se. So, I mean, what are the big issues that you're really addressing? Uh, well, my writings are around sport and physical education. Uh, I'm a, I consider myself a sociologist of sport, a critical sport sociologist. Uh, so I'm interested in the impact that sport has on people, power relations, uh, and if you have concerns around that sort of impact, uh, then it's valuable to look into the physical education context as well. So can I push you on the ideas front? You've talked about power relations and you've talked about society, you're kind of hinting at culture. I mean, what questions are driving your research? Uh, my PhD research many years ago was interested on the influence within Aotearoa New Zealand uh, linked to the dominance of this uh, game called Rugby Union. It's a high-speed collision sport. And uh, particularly on males and their understandings of what it means to be uh, masculine. And in relation to that, um, also gender relations and sexuality questions. So really, I, th I think a lot of people have sort of a romantic idea around sport, that sport builds character, that it's a good thing, that it's positive. Uh, yet it, uh, it works both ways. Um, it does shape identities, but for every positive identity, it can, it can be a negative identity. And uh, for a long time, it helped reinforce this dominant form of masculinity. And uh, uh, through studying, studying gender, uh, it's... it's it has its counterpart in marginalised forms of masculinity, so power relations between different groups or types of masculinities and uh, between males and females. So, I mean, you could look at those issues at many different areas of society. What is it about sport or rugby union in particular that particularly right. captures your interest and allows you to explore those issues? I think, uh, like a lot of people, our own biographies uh, shape uh, what we're interested in. Uh, growing up a boy in Aotearoa, uh, it's hard to escape the dominance of rugby. There was an expectation that you should play it as a young age, that it's our national sport, uh, that real men play the sport. Uh, and I was I was good at the sport. I got status in that respect. Uh, but by the time I was uh, 17, 18, I realised playing the sport, you couldn't come off the field but be sore and uh, bruised. And uh, you were meant to accept that if you're a rugby boy. And I was critical of some of the, those politics. It was also at a time where New Zealand was having a sporting context, uh, contacts with South Africa, apartheid South Africa, and uh, there was great division in the country when I was at secondary school. So it was sport was clearly tied to politics, and I was uh, sort of caught at a young age of uh, feeling good through being good at rugby, but being critical of its culture. And it's, uh, yeah, that's sort of inspired that interest. Yeah, I mean, so sport as a kind of microcosm of politics is writ large throughout all countries, but I guess New Zealand, rugby union in particular, you can't escape it. I'm really interested where theory comes into all of this. A lot of the things you've talked about hint upon kind of wider theoretical issues. I mean, who are you making use of in terms of addressing this? Initially, I, I tried to uh, use Ray and Connell's work around hegemonic masculinity and gender order, and it just didn't work for me. 
Uh, I couldn't understand who were the exemplars of masculinity or who were the privileged, were they the, the guys running onto the field and being bruised and sore or were they the dupes? Uh, so the whole idea of uh, the workings of power as related to the ruling class didn't seem to work and uh, through serendipity discovered Foucault. Uh, his ideas uh, a lot more post-structuralist, weren't tied to a sort of a set structure of workings of power but had a good set of tools for making sense of uh, identities and knowledge and discourse and power relations. So uh, Foucault was the bread and butter in the early days. So can you give me an example of how you've actually applied Foucault to the very specific uh, context of rugby union New Zealand? I mean, it, it's, a, it's a big ask to sort of pick one aspect of social life such as sport and try and understand, well, how does that shape your gender identity uh, given there are so many different factors uh, shaping it? So it was through qualitative research, listening to men's stories, their stories, their experiences, uh, their understandings of what it means to be manly, and really through hearing these stories, uh, working through what, what are the dominant discourses, who's allowed to say what, how do those discourses position people differently to each other, uh, and working through the sort of discourse power relations, so typical post-structuralist uh, Foucauldian uh, lens. So using Foucault is one thing, but are there specific theories that are developed from within sports studies? I mean, is this an area that's always looking at theories from outside? Uh, more recently, there's uh, uh, one theory that's gained traction called inclusive masculinity theory. It's uh, dealing with the idea, it's a research originally from the States based in England, dealing with uh, gender and sexuality and linking with this idea that there's been this change uh, towards homosexuality and that there's been a freeing up, there's been an acceptance and that this that sexuality drives uh, masculinity issues more broadly. I'm quite critical with the theory, uh, but it has gained traction. So of late, I have been doing some empirical work uh, around issues around homophobia and men's experiences. Uh, and although there's changes afoot, um, it's not as rom romantic as really uh, Eric Anderson's been portraying it. Uh, I think that's a homegrown theory yeah, that yeah. stemmed from sociology of sport. Yeah, no, no, I can see how you're a sociologist of sport. Why are you a sociologist of education and sport? Why are you in a faculty of education? I think I'm uh, well located in a, a faculty of education that uh, if you're critical of the broad workings of sport, uh, most people get a lot of their experiences in sport at an early age in school with peers, via teachers, via coaches. And if you really want to have some critical impact, uh, then physical education and health education, uh, ideas around the body, how the body moves, uh, is a really important area to focus in on. Yeah, so it's actually a place where you can make a difference as well as a place where sport is kind of writ large. Yeah, hopefully you can make a difference. And I think there's been changes in the curriculum. I know in Australia and New Zealand there's quite a critical curriculum and there's been a shift uh, it's not always delivered in schools, um, and uh, there's still traditions in different schools, uh, but if, if we think as critical researchers we can make a difference, then hopefully within a school environment, it's one of those where we're more likely to have uh, pull, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, these are all things that have been keeping you occupied over a long career. What are you doing at the moment? What are you currently writing? Uh, several trajectories, but... Um, I was very interested in Foucault's call around Deleuze that the 21st century will be a Deleuzean century. So uh, the last year I've been trying to read A Thousand Plateaus and uh, some of that work and shifting into neo-materialist uh, 
thinkings. Uh, I think it's exciting, different ways of thinking about affect relations, uh, the, the biocultural body. Uh, for a long time, uh, if you mentioned biology within the sociology of sport and hormones, uh, you were sort of looked upon as this, this uh, you know, come on, this we're all socially constructed. So it'll be interesting to see how things shift in the next few years and starting to ex- explore some ideas around that. So how are you finding Deleuze? Because, I mean, lots of people I've spoken to are making this shift from Foucault to Deleuze and it's, um, yeah, it's tricky. Yeah, I wouldn't recommend starting with a thousand plateaus. <laughs> I think if you're making that shift, I think uh, Deleuze's book on Foucault is, is a good one uh, where he introduces some of his ideas and his take of uh, Foucault. Uh there's trends in social theory and there's that evidence sort of trend towards neo-materialism. I don't like the neo or the new, I think it's sort of an extended materialism. Uh, but I think there's good reasons for why many people are thinking the same way and I mm. think uh, in today's time uh, hopefully neo- neo-materialism offers some new ideas for making sense of some of the complexities that we've been dealing with and have been ignoring to some extent previously. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean, much more prosaically, I'm always fascinated by what academics do when they're in their offices or in their pods. I mean, have you got anything exciting coming up on the horizon, bids or proposals, stuff that you're putting together up to coming conferences? We've got a co-edited book around uh, the difference that we make as critical researchers in sociology, sport, physical education, health education. Who's that with? Uh, Håkon Larsson from Sweden and Jaren Gerden uh, from Auckland, but he's originally Swedish. So how are you making these Swedish connections? We're under big pressure to be international in our work, so how does that happen? Uh, Jaren was a phys ed student in uh, University of Auckland, uh, so through connections there, uh, connections back into Sweden. Uh, and I guess the idea of the book was really we've had at least 30 years of critical research in these various areas and what sort of difference have we made? And in some areas, uh, so sports and media, women still receive around or less coverage in this country than horses and dogs. Uh, so that whole feminist shift and uh, examination of, of the media appears to have had a little impact quantitatively at least. I think there's more of a feminist lens uh, in some of the sports coverage. Uh, But I'm a little bit critical about what difference we've made and thinking about issues of public sociology, how if we really want to make a difference, then what else can we do and what are people doing, what's working for them, Uh, what specific areas have we made differences. So I've invited or we've invited uh, an exciting group of people to talk specifically about their areas and to uh, sort of map the terrain um, and think about the critical differences that's occurred. So this idea of public sociology is really interesting, but I mean, clearly it doesn't lie in writing edited collections and journal articles and going to academic conferences. I mean, are you exploring ways of actually kind of connecting with other publics? I mean, it's much more difficult than it sounds. I'm, in, I'm interested in finding out what other academics have been doing at this point. So I'm not on Twitter. I'm not writing for newspapers. Uh, here I am doing a podcast, however. My understanding through people, uh, academics writing on Twitter, it's often other academics reading those Twitter sites, and I'm not sure if the messages are are filtering out, but I applaud the the idea and the intent. Uh, I think it's incredibly difficult when we talk about social transformation to actually make a difference, because fundamentally you're hoping to make a collective difference to a whole range of individuals' identities, and I know as a parent it can be very difficult to even uh, shape your, the identities of your, of your children. Uh, so the task of doing it more collectively <laughs> is huge. Uh, 
I do think if you have that political intent, then it's worthy to explore and, and think about strategies. Yeah, I like the idea of just academics functioning to change the nature of the conversation. I think that's the most we can really hope to do. I'm not sure it'd ever impact on anyone's life, but to be able to kind of just shift the conversation and, you know, in, in that way, public sociology kind of makes, makes, makes sense. Having talked about that, I'm also interested in the longer term future. I mean, what are you thinking about in the long term? Have you got anything cooking? Any ideas that might come on the horizon in the next five years? Have you got any plans for future projects or world domination? Uh, no plans for world domination. Uh, but um, I've been interested of late uh, in, in North America, uh, the impact of the medical data around concussion uh, how it's crept into the public media mm. and how it's had a huge uh, impact on youth participation in American football. Uh, similar things have not happened in Australia and New Zealand and uh, I guess the biomedical knowledge around concussion is still in its early days. Uh, so I am interested in developing a project uh, looking at the impact that uh, concussion has, particularly in youth, uh, on education but also in relation, if you look at pain and injury with sports people, often the idea is no pain, no gain, but it appears very different with the brain. But a brain injury is also very subtle. Uh, so some of those nuances of how people negotiate uh, brain injuries and uh, participation and identities, uh, I think it's, it's an area that's important. Which brings us back to these ideas of biology and affect and stuff that isn't just social. That's right. really, really interesting. Now, just a final cheeky question to finish on. You've just moved to Melbourne after working for some time in New Zealand. I mean, from those of us from the Northern Hemisphere, that doesn't seem like a big deal, but I guess they're two very different kind of contexts to be working in. So, I mean, have any contrasts struck you so far between Australian academia and New Zealand academia, or is it just pretty much the same wherever you go? I think uh, universities in the Western world are... Uh, there's you know, the term neoliberal university gets bandied around a lot and I think uh, these big institutions are facing the same pressures. Uh, so the issues that we're facing in Auckland are, are similar here in Monash around uh, student numbers, initial teacher education, research outputs, uh, all those sorts of things. Uh, from a sociocultural perspective, Australia and New Zealand are very similar Uh and it's been an easy transition uh, thus far, thanks, Neil. Oh, that's good to hear. I always think it's complete. It's nice for you to say that they're very similar. I'd never dare to say that because, you know, from being an outsider, but it's, that's good to hear. Well, many thanks for taking the time to talk. It's been great to get up to speed with what you're doing and hope to see you around the faculty. Great. Thanks, Neil.